In this episode, I will talk about several things. This episode is going to be a little more philosophical. I will define the relationships between risk, fear, trust, danger, and safety. I'll talk about why do you even need trust and, and what does trust do for you? And I will answer the question, who do you trust and who can you trust? I will define the term trust, at least I'll provide my definition, and I will also talk about this controversial claim that I made that we have a limited amount of trust that we can spread around. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 4 of The Trust Show. I'm your host, Yoram Solomon, a researcher of trust and the author of The Book of Trust. In this educational podcast, I will challenge you to think differently about trust through the eight laws of trust and the six components of trustworthiness. I will share my own stories, experiences of others, trust research, and sometimes I will just reflect on a news item. Through all of those, I will show you how to build trust, be trusted, and know who to trust. Because the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Let's start with the relationship between risk, fear, trust, danger, and safety. And before I can talk about the relationships between them, I'm going to start by defining them. The dictionary definition for risk is risk is an exposure to danger. Sometimes they talk about vulnerability, the the fact that there is some vulnerability included or not. For me, it is really the possibility of suffering some negative consequences. So the bigger the risk, the higher the negative consequences or the worst that those consequences can have. So if I'm asking you to uh, lend me $20, what is the risk that you're taking? The risk is the negative consequence and the negative consequence can be that you don't get $20 back. So your exposure is limited to $20. We can probably say that the uh, consequences could be further than that because uh, it's not just that you're not getting the $20 back, but you may be losing a friend and, and maybe the relationship is not what it you thought it was. But at, at this point, I'm talking about risk as a the possibility of suffering negative consequences. And and this term will play when I talk about the definition for the word trust. Now, we need to think about the risk as being either voluntary or involuntary. So whether you have a choice or you don't have a choice, in many cases, the exposure to risk is voluntary. You decide that you're willing to take uh, that risk. I I don't know what the risk is on going on a, uh, uh, taking a bungee jump uh, with a bungee cord. I've, I've never looked at statistics, but I'm not going to do that. It is a voluntary decision. Sometimes your decision is involuntary. I take military service. Uh, Where military service is voluntary, then your exposure to the danger that comes with military service, especially infantry, or or not, not only infantry, wherever you're exposed to someone trying to kill you. Uh, that uh, you can say is voluntary when military service is voluntary or involuntary where it's not. And I would even claim that my own service in the Israeli Defense Forces um, 
it's involuntary in that everybody has to serve, but it was voluntary in my decision to serve in the uh, 35th Airborne uh, Paratroopers Brigade because I actually had to volunteer to do that. So your exposure to risk can be voluntary or involuntary. Now, again, when we talk about risk, there are different levels of risk that you may be voluntarily or involuntarily decide to expose yourself to. So there is the risk associated with losing $20 and there is a risk associated uh, or there is a level of risk of losing your or your life or your wife. Um, there is risk to ego. You know, it, it's great to say put your ego aside, but... Uh, what if something that happens or you expose yourself to something uh, and the negative consequence was the, is that your ego gets bruised? That's risk as well. Risk, and this is where I'm, I'm going to, to kind of separate risk from fear, and I'll talk about fear uh, in a moment. Risk is absolute. It is objective. Risk is not subjective. So, if you lose those $20, it's not that in your eyes you didn't really lose the $20, while somebody else subjectively will say that you have lost those $20. No, you either lose it or you don't lose it. It is pretty absolute and objective. You either lost your life or you didn't lose your life. It is absolute and objective. So risk is absolute, risk is objective. Now, I, I mentioned that you can move along that risk line. So uh, if, if we put risk as a continuum from, uh, let's put it on the left, that uh, there's absolute zero risk and on the right is the worst possible risk or the worst possible negative consequence of something. And we'll talk about what that thing is. How do you move along that? Well, you may move along that by having no choice. This is involuntary. Or you can move right or left on that line uh, towards no risk or absolute maximum risk, willingly, voluntary way. When you go up, you either, up means higher risk, uh, possibly suffering more negative consequences. You either don't have a choice or you're doing it willingly. Moving down happens either because you have more choice and you can decide that you want to reduce your risk or because you're simply unwilling to take more risk. You have more choices. So moving along this line up either because there's no choice, down because there's more choice, up because you're willing or down because you're unwilling to take that risk or to suffer those negative consequences. Now, you've heard the phrase, no risk, no reward, right? So, and, and I truly believe that there's no risk, no reward. And typically, rewards are associated with risk. If you are investing money, then um, if you're taking a very, very safe investment strategy, such as investing in uh, certificates of deposit or CDs, you are taking very, and only in FDIC insured uh, entities, then you're taking the minimum level of risk. Well, 
but you're also going to enjoy the lowest possible reward because the interest rate is going to be the lowest. If you want to take really high risk in investments, invest in startup companies, in the early stage startup companies. This is where people become billionaires, not millionaires, but billionaires. You want to be one of the first investors in Facebook or or in Google or, or something or, or in Tesla or something like that. But that's where you take the highest level of risk because you can lose everything that you put in there. Uh, So no risk, no reward. If I talk about the organizational culture aspects of it, then uh, having taking high risk means that you can as as a leader, you can give your employees, your team, you can give them autonomy. But in order for you to give them autonomy, you must trust your employees to not abuse that autonomy. So if you let them do something by themselves, the risk that you expose yourself to is what would happen if they really don't do what um, what you expected them to do. If uh, you gave them autonomy over something, they abused it and, and something went wrong. This is the risk. This is the negative consequence that might happen. If you're willing to take risk as an employee, then you are willing to be accountable for what you do. You're willing to be held accountable. And, you know, one of the things that that I really want, one of my pet peeves is when someone says, uh, I'm, I take full responsibility for something that happens. Well, when you take full responsibility, are there any negative consequences to you? Because to me, when someone and and often, unfortunately, it's a politician, when a politician says, I take full responsibility or when a manager or or any other leader says, I take full responsibility, but really there's not going to be anything that happens to me. I take full responsibility for the losses that we suffered in this quarter and we're going to have to reduce our force by 120 employees. Well, none of those are you, so are you really taking full responsibility? But that's a whole topic for, for probably another uh, another uh, podcast episode. And right now, I'll talk about just accountability when you're really being held accountable and voluntarily being willing to be accountable with really taking risk and, and really possibly suffering the negative consequences for what happens if you did something wrong. You must trust your boss in order to be accountable. Your boss must be trustworthy to not make you really regret being accountable. Uh, Vulnerability. If you're willing to take risks, then you're willing to be vulnerable with somebody else. You, You must trust somebody else to not abuse that vulnerability, to not tell other people what you have done and that, uh, you know, it, it's going to cause you to uh, either lose friends or, or even lose your job. You, you, if you want to be vulnerable, even if you just want to ask stupid questions in a meeting or suggest stupid ideas in a meeting, you have to trust the other people in that meeting that whatever you say is not going to be, let's call it, not, not going to be held against you. So you must trust them. Feedback. If you want to provide feedback to someone, you must trust that they are not going to behave in a way that would make you regret giving that feedback, that they're not going to attack you, that they're not going to do something to you. So what is the level of uh, negative consequences you're willing to take or the risk you're willing to take that reflects on the level of feedback that you're willing to give? The same applies to receptivity. 
your willingness, your your receptivity to that kind of feedback. So you have to trust, you have to take risk by being receptive to feedback. And the risk is uh, what happens if the people who give you feedback are they don't really have your best interest in mind. And really the feedback that you're giving you is not to help you. And so what would happen if you are receptive, if you open yourself to be receptive to that type of feedback, then there could be negative consequences if you accept it. And if you take all of those, uh, to me, those are the the components of uh, a culture of uh, innovation, productivity, efficiency, profitability, and and every other good word in business. If you take autonomy, accountability, vulnerability, feedback, receptivity, the higher the risks you're willing to take, the higher you're willing to go on those scales, give more autonomy, be more accountable, be willing to be more vulnerable, be willing to provide more direct feedback, be more receptive to feedback. All of those, they increase the organization's creativity, innovation, productivity, efficiency, profitability, and everything else that's good in an organization that makes an organization more successful overall. So, I'll just summarize. I talked about risk so far, and risk is really the willingness to suffer negative consequences. It can either be voluntary or involuntary, your willingness to decide what level of risk you're willing to take. And um, it's absolute. It is objective. It's going to happen or it's not going to happen. It's not your perception of it. And uh, taking more risk gives more reward in the organizational arena and everywhere else. Fear is related to risk, but fear is personal. Fear is subjective. If I talked about risk being absolute and and objective, then fear is how do we react to risk? Some people exposed to the same level of risk will experience more fear while others will experience less fear. Roller coasters. Are you afraid of going on roller uh, roller coasters? Very easy word to say. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know that I can really say that I'm afraid, but but I am. I I don't go on roller coasters. I mean, I, I wouldn't always send my daughters by themselves, and it's not that I thought that something bad is going to happen. It's just that I have that fear, and and I can't explain it. And it is personal, and it is subjective. It is how you understand the risk. Some people just don't understand the risk that they got themselves exposed to. You know, it's it's a matter of understanding. It's a matter of, do you understand that if you do A, then B will happen? Some people may not understand it. Some people may understand it so well that it goes way beyond what the average person or how the average person would understand uh, that risk or interpret that risk or interpret the negative consequences. You know, doing something, one person would say, um, the worst possible consequence is that X will happen where in fact somebody else will say no, but there is a possibility, even if it's a very low possibility, that the worst thing that happened, the the worst negative consequences, is actually Y, and Y is not the same as X. So the first part about uh, the personal and subjective nature of fear is the understanding, the interpretation of that absolute risk. 
in turning it into fear, but but there is another part to it, and that is how significant is it to you? So there is the element of understanding, and then there's the element of significance. I, I understand the total risk. I understand the maximum risk. You and I understand that the worst possible negative consequences of taking a specific level of risk is X, whatever it is. It's just that I care less about that happening. You know, um, for for an example, uh, investing a million dollar in something, okay? Investing a million dollar in something. What is the worst possible negative consequences? The worst possible negative consequences is you lost a million dollars. That's it. Let's not compli- overcomplicate it and say that there's more money associated with that or, or any emotional distress or anything else. So, uh, the worst possible negative consequences of investing a million dollars objectively, absolutely, is losing a million dollars. To different people, a million dollar means different things. The level of fear that different people would have is different. If uh, you are Jeff Bezos or anybody else that has, let's say, not just a million dollars, but but let's say a hundred million dollars, anybody that has more than a hundred million dollars, do you think that the significance of losing a million dollars to them would be the same as to someone whose entire asset base, including their home, is $1.1 million. So both of them are in a position to invest that million dollars, but the significance to one person is losing 1% of their net asset, uh, net, net value. To the other person, it's 99% or, or 90% of their value. The significance is different. So when, when I think about it graphically, if, if you can visualize a graph and, and on the X uh, axis uh, on the bottom, uh, there is the level of risk that people are willing to take or, or are forced to take or don't have any choice in taking. And on the Y, the vertical axis, you have the level of fear that different people have. You would see that not everybody has the same line. Some people would have a lower line, which means they can take a higher level of risk and fear less have less fear because they either interpret it less than others or give it less significance, while other people would have a line, a correlation line that's much steeper, much goes much faster up. Uh, and uh, those are people who either understand uh, the risk better or understand it to be worse or the negative consequences to be worse or it's just more significant to them. And, and as a result, if the level of risk is absolute and objective on the x-axis, what you see on the y-axis is different responses by different people in how much fear they experience to the same level of risk. The discussion of fear, the the subjective personal nature, leads me to give you my definition of trust. And I'll tell you that I read a lot of research, a lot of articles, a lot of books that were written about what trust really is in order for me to come up with the definition that today I use for the word trust. Um, 
to me, the word trust or the level of trust that you have is your willingness to accept the negative consequences of giving control over something that you have to another person or thing, expecting them to do their best to eliminate those negative consequences. I know it's a mouthful. First of all, I'm going to repeat that and then I'm going to break it down. Trust is your willingness to accept the negative consequences of giving control over something you have to another person or thing, expecting them to do their best to eliminate those negative consequences. So let's start breaking it down into parts. First of all, it is your willingness. So by by saying that it's your willingness, I'm also saying that uh, trust is relative, which is the uh, third law of trust, because some people would be willing to accept those negative consequences, while others are not willing to accept those same negative consequences. So trust is something that you have. You have a certain level of trust in something, a parachute, an airplane. See, we're talking about things, not necessarily people. Or uh, your willingness to follow your leader. You may be willing to follow your leader while I'm not willing to follow the same leader, even though we are both employees in the same company and working in the same team. So it is your willingness to accept the negative consequences. The negative consequences, as I said before, is risk, really. But I have to say that when I say your willingness, I'm not just saying that it's your willingness to accept the risk. It's your it's really your willingness to accept the fear that you would feel from those negative consequences. Okay, because if I feel less fear from the same negative consequences, then uh, I actually need a lower level of trust. And I'll talk about the relationship uh, later. So it's the negative consequences of giving control over something you have to another person or thing. That kind of indicates the voluntarily the, the voluntary nature of um, of trusting someone or or to be willing to take that risk, giving control over something you have. So what could that be? This could be giving control over that thing that you have could be the $20 bill. It can be your life. Uh, When you serve in an elite unit, in an infantry unit, the, the unit, uh, the team, and I talked about that in, in one of the previous uh, episodes, the team size to have the highest level of trust is four or five members. And you are giving control. When you enter a room and you need to clear that room and you know that there are people in that room that want to kill you and, and everybody else on your team, And you know that your job, as soon as you enter that room, is to turn to the right while your team member's job is to turn to the left. When you turn to the right and you completely ignore any possible fire coming from the left, you are giving control over your life to your team member. And the risk that you're taking is the negative consequence is losing your life. And the way you give control is by not looking to the left. 
is a much simpler one is just uh, giving somebody $20. So this is something that you have. You have control over the $20. You give control to the other person because you really leave them with the decision to how to spend it. And uh, the entire process from taking it from your hand, spending it, and then returning another $20 bill back to your hand, you're giving full control to that other person. I mentioned parachute. I mentioned airplanes. And uh, so this is sometimes you give it to another thing. And I would have to say that when when I say thing, I think that uh, those things, the parachute or an airplane, are indirectly referring to people, the person who folded the parachute, the person who made the parachute, who sold the parachute, the, the person who's flying the plane, the people who built the plane. So sometimes indirectly you are talking about people other people and not things but those are indirect those are people you don't necessarily know and their proxy is that thing that you give control over you you board aboard a plane uh who do you trust when you board the plane i mean other than the pilot you obviously trust the pilot you trust the air traffic controllers you trust the people who built the plane the people who maintain the plane Now, here comes another part for my definition, and that is that when you do that, you expect them to do their best to eliminate those negative consequences. I'm going to refer to research done by uh, Catherine Howley, and uh, unfortunately, she passed recently from cancer, but she wrote uh, quite a bit about um, trust and uh, in one of her latest book uh, books, How to Be Trustworthy, uh, she talked about her definition and her definition includes two main components. So she makes it really simple and, and easy to digest. There is a component of reliance. You trust something or someone if you rely on them and there is a component of commitment. So you can just rely on someone and uh, without them even knowing that they're uh, being relied upon to do whatever it is that you rely on them to do, uh, there is a component of commitment and the commitment can be implied or expressed or anything. So um, sometimes it's implied when you board a plane, it is implied that this plane was checked and that every everyone has done their job from building, maintaining and operating this plane. Uh, it is implied that, uh, that they expect uh, to, you know, do their best to eliminate the negative consequences of the plane crashing. And even worse than the plane crashing is you dying as part of it. So it's not just that it's your willingness to accept the negative consequences, but that you do that in return or while expecting whoever you gave control to, to do their best to eliminate those negative consequences. Again, as I said, it it relates more to fear than to risk. I know that the kind of the common wisdom or or common sense would say that uh, you have to trust someone in order to compensate for a certain level of risk, but it's not really the risk. It's a proxy. It's your personal subjective proxy of risk, which is um, your fear and, and how you understand and interpret that risk. So I'm going to finish that part by talking about Uh, But by giving you one last time, my definition of trust. Trust is your willingness to accept the possible negative consequences of giving control over something you have to another person or another thing, expecting them to do their best to eliminate those negative consequences. 
That is my definition of trust. If you think about that, and you can find that in the book of trust so you don't have to memorize it. Um, But think about times when you trust someone or something and apply this this formula or apply this definition to to your specific uh, circumstances. We like living in safety. We don't like danger. And I'm saying that, you know, you would say that some people like danger, but but it's really some people would like what you would call danger. And the only reason that they are willing to live in constant or intermittent danger is because they're willing to, to them. This is not danger to them. They feel safe enough. And, and I'll show you what makes someone feel safe or feel in danger. So when you look at someone and say they live in danger, it's they live in what you call danger. So what defines trust? What defines danger or safety? It's really the relationship. I would even say the mathematical relationship between the level of trust that you have in whoever you trust or whatever you trust and the level of fear you have from those negative consequences or possible negative consequences as you understand them and as much significant as they are to you. So, in very simple terms, if the level of trust you have in other people or things is higher than your interpretation of the negative consequences or the fear that you have from something happening or the worst happening, you feel safe because you trust someone or something and by trusting them, it means that they are going to make sure that they will eliminate that fear that that you have or whatever it is, the risk that caused you to have a certain level of fear. That's when you feel safe. On the other hand, If you don't have enough people or things to trust or trust them enough to eliminate those negative consequences, then your fear, your level of fear is, is not compensated by enough trust. And guess what you feel then? That's right. You feel that you are in danger. Now, what would happen if you are too deep in danger? What does it mean that you're too deep in danger? If you're too deep in danger, that means in the danger zone. That means that the level of trust that you have in other people is way, way lower than your fear of whatever the possible negative consequences would be. It also means that there is nobody or nothing that you can trust that would compensate for that risk. This is not a healthy place to be in. This is not where you want to be, not for a long period of time. I would even claim that not for a short period of time. What would happen if the opposite is true? If you are, I'm going to say, too deep in safety. What that really means is that the level of risk that you're taking is not enough compared to the trust that you have in other people or things that would eliminate those possible negative consequences. You're not willing to take enough risk compared to the trust that that you have is probably a better way to describe it, which means that there is so much more reward that you can get that you're not getting simply because you're not willing to take enough risk to just get to the level of trust that you already have. So you have enough trust in other people or other things that will compensate for a lot more negative consequences 
then you're actually exposing yourself to. And that means that there is a margin for you to keep on taking more risk, expose yourself to higher negative consequences. I'm not saying the the worst possible, but at least to get closer to the level of trust that you already have in other people. So you know what? Let let's just bring it back to financial. I trust you that if you if I give you a thousand dollars, that that you will not lose my thousand dollars. I may not trust you with a million, but I do trust that if I give you a thousand dollars, you will give a thousand dollars back to me, and whatever good will happen out of me giving you a thousand dollars will happen. And I only give you twenty. I'm not giving you more than twenty. Well, then I'm not getting anywhere near the level of trust that I already have. And as a result, I don't get the possible positive consequences that I have. I guess what I'm saying is that overall, we get to the point of equilibrium. We get to the point that the level of risk we're willing to take is equal to the level of trust that we have in other people. And we kind of stay on that on, on that line. And again, I'm, I'm going to make this, this little um, refinement. And, and it's not so much as it's the level of risk. It's the level of risk that we're willing to take that we can compensate with trust. The trust we have relative to the fear that we feel based on that level of risk. I wanted to go beyond in this episode, but I noticed that uh, we're past the 30-minute mark and and I don't want those episodes to be too long. So I'm going to have uh, the the rest in the next episode. But what we talked about in this episode is uh, I talked about the terms risk, fear, trust, safety, and danger. And I connected them together for you to kind of explain what is the relationship between them and how is the level of risk that you expose yourself to uh, relate to the level of trust that you have in other people. And uh, it, it really works both way. You're going to be willing to take risk based on the level of trust you have, and you're going to trust based on the level of risk you need to expose yourself to. So I really want to summarize with uh, one thing, and that is I'll give you one last time, I'll give you the definition that I have for trust. Trust is your willingness to accept the negative consequences of giving control over something you have to another person or another thing, expecting them to do their best to eliminate those negative consequences. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll make sure to answer it or find the answer to it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. That's Y-O-R-A-M at thetrustshow.com. If you like this podcast episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get new episodes. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings would help others who are looking for a podcast just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my online course at trustedatwork.com. Find my books on Amazon or go to my website, yoramsolomon.com. And remember one thing, the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you and can you trust me? 
Thank you for listening.